Yes, good morning, all of you. Good to see you this morning. And wow, that music this morning, uh, all of it was great. But I, that pianist, wow, I, when she did that, I'll fly away. I was ready to take off, weren't you? Wow. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> have you heard about the optimist who fell out of the 79th floor of an apartment building, the window of an apartment building, and as he flew past the 20th floor, he was heard saying, doing okay so far. <laughs> well, I guess I could say that about the sermon. Doing okay so far. <laughs> Not very far, but... Anyway, my name is John Polutki. Um, many of you probably don't know me yet. Uh, and my wife, Jan, sitting there in the wave, honey, there. It's <laughs> so they know who you are. And <clears throat> we've been worshiping with you, I guess, now about, I don't know what it is, four or five months, I guess, uh, at, at the time. And we've just enjoyed it so much here. We uh, moved down here from Hurley, Wisconsin, and... Uh, Settled here in Rothschild uh, at the apartments there, at the senior care apartments, right behind Cedar Creek Mall. So come and visit us sometime. We'd love it. And uh, we, we looked around. We visited. Uh, we knew Paulette Johnson for a long time, through the years, through a conference. And, and uh, of course, uh, Paulette helped us move. So did the Ron, the Ron Matson family and a few other young people. I'm not even sure who some of them were that helped us move in. But it was great, and we thank all of you for doing that. But I remember I had t told Paulette that we're going to look around. We're going to visit around for a while. And she said, that's all right, but you'll be back. You'll be back. And she was right. We were. We, we, we're so happy here. We really enjoy the, the fellowship of, of the people. And it's good to be back in the conference church, what we call it, the converged church now. So we, we have enjoyed that very much. Uh, <clears throat> just before we begin, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will just guide me now as I share your word. Guide my throat, Lord, even with his hoarseness a little bit today. I pray that you will help me through this. And pray again for Pastor Kim and Vicki. Thank you for them. And pray that you will bring them back safely, renewed, and refreshed to serve you. Thank you for Pastor Casey and, and Jen and, and just their enthusiasm that they share uh, in the gospel. It's so refreshing. And to see these new souls who've come to faith in Christ. Lord, it's so great to see these stars here and to realize that each one represents a soul for the Lord Jesus. And so we pray, Lord, just guide us together today as we share in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 37 this morning. Uh, you have an outline in your bulletin also. By the way, those of you that say, I don't know where to find anything in the Bible, just take your Bible and get it right about in the middle. And guess which book you'll come to? Probably the Psalms. You should, unless you have a lot of notes in the beginning or the end. Then it may not come out that way. But it should be right about in the middle. So Psalm 37. And uh, when we were in Bible college, one of the things that it encouraged us to do was to Pick a life's verse. Find a verse that has really become meaningful to you. And that can be a verse throughout your life. For me, it was Psalm 37, verse 23. 
And in the King James, or the way I learned it, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. The Lord delights in his way. Not that we delight in him, but the Lord delights in that man's way as we follow the Lord. And that whole uh, verse, and then the chapter became very meaningful. So I want to share that with you a little bit today. Uh, if you have your outline, you may want to follow along as we look at that a little bit. Uh, this was a, a psalm written by David and probably written in his uh, latter years. We, we sense that from verse 25 where he talks about being old. I was young and I'm old. And he goes back and reflects on his life. And he had a lot of enemies, obviously, in that chapter. You can sense that. Many enemies. And one of those, of course, was King Saul and uh, all those that were with him. But anyhow, he... First of all, he starts out with six commands. And you notice those here. First of all, he says, fret not. He starts with a negative. Fret not. In other words, do not be anxious. That's a very, very important thing for us to remember in all our lives because how often we become anxious. Then he says, trust. And that's not just something we have on our coins. In God we trust. But it really means to rely on, to be aware of that in our lives. To delight in. And de when you see the word delight, it's always an, there's always an object. You delight in something. Delighting in a person, delighting in a thing. Uh, and uh, so we, we rejoice and delight in whatever it is. Commit is the next word. Commit, to yield. Proverbs 16.3 says, Co Commit your way unto the Lord and your plans shall succeed. Commit your way to the Lord. Then rest. Rest in the Lord. That's sometimes very hard to do. To rest. To be still. To wait upon the Lord. And then finally, to refrain from anger. Oh, six very important commands that we need to obey. Now, each one of those could have a sermon in itself, but we want to move on. There are seven promises that the Lord gives us that are so important then. As a result of obeying his commands, those commands that he has given us, he then gives us at least seven promises. And I've put them all to begin with P. I hope they make sense that way, but a little easier to remember uh, the P's of the Lord here. First of all is the word prosperity. You notice that in... in uh, Verse eight, uh, yes, 18 and 19. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. The Lord promises prosperity, not financial prosperity necessarily. A lot of people, you know, believe in the the prosperity gospel. You know, you know the Lord, you come to know him, you're going to be rich. Well, the Lord doesn't say that. But we do have an inheritance, don't we? We have a great inheritance that's coming. And we have that in the Lord, promised. I like that word in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, just part of it, listen to it here. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That's our inheritance. That's what we look forward to. And oh, Ephesians 1 is filled with promises. That's just one little portion, portion of it. 
But there you have it. Prosperity. And then the next one is protection. Protection. Verses 23 and 24 goes right into the verses that are my favorite. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Oh, how many times I've stumbled. I've fallen. But the Lord has been right there to pick me up and to help me in that, in that problem. I've been mugged in St. Paul. I've been held up in Amsterdam, Holland. I've had many, many falls from bicycles and, and uh, skiing accidents. And oh my goodness, the list goes on. I'm getting lost and so on. But the Lord has always been there in the most unusual ways and has brought me through these things. And I don't know he has for you too as you think back on your life and what God has done. Uh, protection. Then comes the word provision, verse 25. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. Oh, I can say that is so true for us. All my life I think about how God has been with us. Sometimes it's been pretty meager, pretty thin, but the Lord has always, we've never missed a meal because of not having food on the table. God has always been there and met our needs in one way or another. And that's been true with my family when I was young, and as well as with our own family, our children. And the Lord has always seen us through. And it's been wonderful. And that's the provision of the Lord in our lives. And then the next one is preservation. Verses 28 and 29. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever. But the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. For the righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it, there's that word again, forever, forever. We are preserved unto the day of redemption. Jesus put it this way when he said, um, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. We are secure in him. Praise God, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful to know that we have that in him? And then the next word is the word pardon. Verse uh, 32-33. You notice it says there, The wicked lie in wait for the righteous and seek their very lives, but the Lord will not leave them in, uh, in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. We are pardoned. And it's so good to know that as we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from a few of our unrighteousnesses. Is that what it says? You're listening. No! No unrighteousness. Everything is forgiven. He promises that in His Word. And that is so great to know. Our sins are buried in the deepest sea and never to be remembered again. What a great thought. And then the next one is the word peace. Notice verse 37. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace. Jesus said, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. And wow, how we need that peace today. Boy, don't we have a lot of tribulation in the world? All kinds of tribulation and turbulence and, and trials that are going on. And, 
and we've lived a long time. But I, I think that the time of the Lord's return has got to be soon. It is just, there are so much turmoil going on. You turn on the TV or the radio and it's every day. It seems like it gets worse somewhere. But we can have that inward peace that the Lord promises to those who love him. And then the last great word is the word power. Verses 39 and 40, power. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers him, delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Power. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. And that is so true. So there you have them. Prosperity, protection, provision, preservation, pardon, peace, and power. We're done. No, no, not yet. Each one could have a sermon in itself. I realize that. But what I want to do this morning a little bit is to share my own personal testimony. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do it with, with verses, and I think they'll be on the screen, uh, verses that will share with you a little bit. Now, the, the verse that will be on the screen will be in the uh, English Standard Version, but the one I'm going to be sharing with will be in the, uh, in the um, King James Version because that's what I grew up with as a kid, you know, for many years. So I'm familiar with those verses. So I'm going to start out, first of all, with my heritage. And the verse that comes to mind is Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you thought it evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now, if you remember, this is the, the, the verse that Joseph said to his brothers, when, you know, they had sold him into slavery in Egypt and all the troubles and so forth. And, of course, then the famine came and they had nothing. They had to go down to Egypt and get food. And, and he had it all provided for them. The Lord had given him uh, the dreams that told him what was going to happen and so forth. Well, anyway, this story of Joseph reminds us so much of, of my own parents because my dad and mom were born in Germany and they... Uh, Dad came to America here in 1925, and along with his brother, came, came to America in 1925, much to the dismay of the rest of the relatives in Germany. They didn't want them to go. But they thought, oh, there's greener grass over there, and jobs are more plentiful, and so forth, so they came over here. Dad worked here for eight years, went back to Germany, and married my mother, and then they came back together to America, and again... Uh, the family was not happy to see them go, and they were, they were just dismayed that this would happen. But as it was, the Lord had this all planned, just like in Joseph's day. Uh, they came to America, and of course the Second World War came, and Germany, as you know, lost the war, and our relatives, my relatives, all my aunts and uncles and so forth, were driven from uh, their homes, where they were, which is now part of Poland, which was then Germany, and they were driven from that area and, and were scattered all over Germany and had nothing. Had the clothes on their back and many of them had to leave just that way. My, some of my grandparents died in, the, in that flight. They never made it. They didn't, weren't strong enough 
and they died in the flight, and the Russians were driving them on and so forth. A long story, but anyway, uh, through it all, it ended up that it ended up that my uncle in Detroit, and then my dad and mom, who were living down in, in southern Wisconsin, down by Elroy, uh, Sparta area, that they um, provided food for them. And uh, many care packages were sent to the relatives over in Germany because they had absolutely nothing. <laughs> Some of them are better off now than my parents were later on in life, but nevertheless, they really helped them during, during a great need. And the relatives could see that, and it was a wonderful testimony. And even years passed later on, a number of them got saved through a Billy Graham crusade that came through Berlin in that, at that time. And that was just a, a, a joy to hear of those who came to know Christ during that time as well. Uh, so anyway, the Lord used that in a, in a wonderful way, and I've never forgotten that, that step that he had taken. Then my salvation. Uh, the verse that God used was Romans 5, 12. I was only nine years old when I was at an evangelistic crusade in our church there in, in, the, in the Elroy Sparta area, there in a farming community there where we lived on a farm, and uh, we had a crusade. And there in the, in the evening service, I remember uh, the, the evangelist sharing this verse, Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. By one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. And of course, uh, that really spoke to me because I was... I was nine years old, and I thought, well, I have Christian parents. You know, I'm okay. I'm from a Christian home. I go to church every Sunday with my parents. I'm all right. But when that verse penetrated my heart, I realized I am a sinner. I need the Lord personally, like some of the testimonies you heard this morning from these two. It's so great. Personally, we need to acknowledge that. And I just share that with all of you, some of you younger ones here. Maybe you say, well, we've been in church. I've gone to this church for years, and I'm okay. You know, I'm in a godly home, and uh, we pray before meals and whatever. That does not make you a Christian. You need to personally invite Jesus Christ into your life. Confess your sins to him and make him the Savior and the Lord of your life. You've got to do it personally. That is so vital. Then the third thing, the third uh, verse is, and this one is a fourfold thing really, guidance, is this whole area of guidance. The Lord guided me in four different areas, and he does really for most of us, through circumstances, through godly, godly counsel, through the scripture, and through the Holy Spirit. And I'll take each one separately with one illustration for each one. There could be so many here. First of all, circumstances. We all know the verse, Romans 8.28, don't we? And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Um, we moved from our farm when I was a senior in high school, moved into La Crosse, and there uh, graduated at, from the high school Central High in La Crosse in a year of uh, La Crosse State College. And then a pastor friend, you see here step by step how the Lord leads in these circumstances, we don't always see at the way, at the beginning. 
the Lord um, used this pastor friend. Uh, he said to a, a good friend of mine, Dwayne and I, and he said, how would you like to go to Minneapolis and spend the summer in Minneapolis? Uh, lots of things to do and see there and a lot of good Christian fellowship. And oh, that sounds great. Get away from home and family for a while. You know, we love that. And so we did. But the Lord had other things in mind. While we were there, of course, I got a job. And ended up this job required, Warner Hardware required I stay there for a year. Couldn't just go home for the summer. Uh, so stay there for a year, which I did then and worked on there. And while I was there, uh, this pastor friend had said, there's a real good church up in North Minneapolis that uh, you would enjoy attending because the pastor is a Greek teacher over at Northwestern Bible College. And uh, you will enjoy his good teaching, his Greek teaching, and so forth. And come on over. And so we did. And we went over there and really enjoyed it. But there was something very special at that church. They had a youth group, a really active youth group, that met every Saturday night. And we really got involved in that. High school, college age group, and big group of young people. And they had something going all the time. And there was a special girl in that church that I had an eye on. And little by little, we went there and, and enjoyed more. And in fact, it ended up, of course, that was, ended up being my wife, Jan. And we ended up going to the same college together. And that's a long story in it, too, how the Lord led her from another college to go to Northwestern there. And while we were at the college, you know, we, we really had good fellowship there. And being, her name was Porter, and mine was Palutke. In, in college, we were always put together. In, you know, we, 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 were, we were sitting alphabetically, which was great. So Palutke and Porter. So many times we got to sit together in class. But there was one guy in there that in once in a while in some of those classes, his name was Pankratz. And he snuck in there. And so Palutke, Pankratz, and Porter. And we'd have to go, you know, like this, talking to each other around him. He didn't like that. But anyway, that was just one of, one of the things. But we had great fellowship. But anyway, I wanted to just share about that youth group. Out of that youth group in her church, it was, a, it was a great group. And I'm so glad for Pastor Casey here and, and the youth of the church. You know, that is so vital in a church. That youth group, many of them married within that, within that youth group. And many of them today are still, very few divorces. And many of them are still married. And just this year, three of them just died. Because we're getting to the age where, you know, death is common. But... Uh, often meeting together yet. The group in Minneapolis in that area meet together and have fellowship and sharing together and that is so neat. So you young people have no idea. Some of you may meet together when you're 80 like me, almost 80, and still have fellowship together. So realize the importance of that and doing that. So anyway, that, that is an important one. Then anyway, we move on to college years. Uh, the guidance of godly counsel. Proverbs 11.14 where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And the NIV puts it this way. For the lack of guidance, a nation falls. But many advisors make victory good. Uh, good leaders are so needed today. That would be great for some of our leaders in our country today to heed that verse, wouldn't it? The lack of guidance, a nation falls. But many advisors make victory Proverbs 15.22, almost like it's reiterating that same verse. Proverbs 15.22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Uh, I was encouraged by many friends, uh, different ones, to go on to college 
and to prepare for full-time, we used to call it full-time Christian service. And sometimes, and I, I know that's, that's not the best, best term today because, you know, if you're serving the Lord, whatever occupation, you are a full-time Christian serving the Lord. But in those days, we often, that meant you're a missionary or a pastor or a teacher, a Christian teacher or something. So you've prepared for full-time work in the service of the Lord. So anyhow, um, I was at the time uh, living in a rooming house in Minneapolis with other guys. Many of them were not Christians, going to Dunwoody Bible Institute and so forth. But there was one guy who was a Christian. I think the Lord put him there for a purpose. But anyway, this guy got to be a pretty good friend. But what he would do at night I would hear him praying, and he would pray, Lord, show John Palutki that he needs to go to Bible school, and he needs to prepare for ministry. He would pray that night after night, and I'd stop my ears. I didn't want to hear it anymore. But he would keep praying that. But guess what? That Holy Spirit of the Lord kept working on him, and finally I said, well, I'll go to evening school, just the evening classes there take in some Bible courses. Well, the next step was, of course, going on and enrolling in Northwestern Bible College, and then Jan later on, and I graduated from the school there. And then, of course, the next step was seminary. And still, I never thought, you know, I, I may have shared with some of you, my desire always was, I was either going to be a chicken farmer or a postman. That was it. I don't know why, but those two things. I travel with my postman on the route and put in the mail. In the mail. Oh, I just thought that would be the neatest thing, to be a postman. But the Lord did other things than mine. And then, of course, uh, went on to seminary. And, uh, and then the next step, then four years of college. And we got married in 1957. And then, of course, the three years of seminary. And that's when Jan got her Ph.T. You know what that is. Putting hubby through. <laughs> Ph.T. So... And she was a big help in that, getting us through seminary. Well, then, here's the guidance continues. Scripture. Scripture. Philippians 3.15. I may be taking this verse a little bit out of context, but at least it spoke to me in this way. Let us, therefore, as many as be mature, be thus minded. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. You know, there's one thing to be said for reading the scriptures every day consistently. You know, whether you're reading through the book of Philippians or whatever, but just read consistently. Don't read the Bible. You've heard this. Don't read the Bible where, oh, I wonder what the Lord wants. I'm going to pick out a verse. Hmm. Judas went out and hung himself. No, don't. <laughs> I'm going to try another one. Go thou and do likewise. No, <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. No. Read consistently the Word of God as you go through it. And the Lord will show you, you know, what to do. But anyhow, this happened for me. I, I had been called to, to a church out in Washington State, in Puyallup, Washington. Now, you've probably heard of it near Tacoma. But out there to serve in, a, in a, my first church. And uh, I also was then asked to candidate in a town called Chamberlain, South Dakota. And the Lord... Uh, the Lord had directed, seemed like everybody directed, said this, the, ch the church out there in, in, in uh, Washington State in Puyallup was just the place where God would want us to be. But I thought, no, I'm going to candidate first in Chamberlain, South Dakota. And it was just like the Lord was saying, no, no. But I thought, yeah, I've got to. I've got to do that because it's only fair to make my choice. You're not supposed to do that, any of you in the ministry. You know, you're not supposed to do this kind of thing. But I thought, I've got to, I've got to, 
do that and try. So I kept writing letters to the church and typing it out, saying I'm coming, and nothing, just kept throwing the paper away, wouldn't work, wouldn't work, and everybody kept praying and telling me, John, this is, it seems the Lord is telling you, you've got this call, you need to answer it, and what God has for you, and, and so finally, I relented this Bible verse right here, spoke to me, if thus otherwise minded, you know, God will reveal that, but it was just like God was saying, you need to listen to the guidance of godly counsel in this area. And I did. And then when I wrote the letter to say I'm coming, uh, it just the words flowed. And it just went. And all the way through, the Lord just wonderfully opened the door there. And we just had a great, great um, service uh, of serving the Lord there in the, in the church. And uh, one by one, uh, just the Lord's guidance not only in that church, but in the churches to come. And that leads us to the Holy Spirit's prompting. John 16, 13. When Jesus said, When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. And that is exactly what happened. The Lord has a way of, and it's, it's hard to explain to you how the Lord shows a pastor, you know, when is it time to, uh, to, to take this church, to go to this church, when is it time to resign? But the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, when we are doing God's will, He's called you. He has a way of showing you. And we have, if I had the time to show you the unusual ways in which God opened and closed doors in such unique ways. And He has done that. We served five churches in the Baptist General Conference and then five interims, five places after retirement, served in five interim places, and had a wonderful ministry, wonderful time in each one of them. But we did have one thing that happened in our last church, and that was in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, that I want to share with you. And there's where the seventh area, healing, comes in. And it's Isaiah 40, verse 31, uh, and, and the surrounding verses. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I have it on my tie here today. I love that verse. And it has become so meaningful to me because of what happened. In 1992, while I was serving the Rhinelander Church, uh, I became very ill. It was about this time of the year, end of June, early July. Became very ill and I got staph infection, uh, endocarditis, staph infection in the heart, the lining of the heart which is really bad, really bad. I spent many, many uh, weeks in the hospital. They pumped me with antibiotics and so forth. Did MRIs, CAT scans, and so forth. And while I was uh, there, um, and they were doing this, they, after the CAT scans, they discovered I also had a cancerous kidney. And I had no idea I had cancer, you know. No, no idea anything like that. But they had to take my kidney out. And uh, after that, they said... Uh, um, uh, you know, it's a good thing you came in so early because it was self-contained. We got it all. You won't even need chemotherapy or anything. Well, we said, wow, that is amazing. Uh, that's of the Lord because it wasn't of man, you know. We had to do that. But the Lord, the Lord wonderfully uh, did that. But then they come with more bad news. And he said, we also found you have a mass on the brain. I said, oh, my Lord, what else, you know, what else? This is not enough and... You're putting this on me now, and it was just, I, I was pretty down, pretty discouraged. It wasn't for my good wife, came every day to see me and just encouraged me, I tell you. 
it was a tough time. But anyhow, they were going through that. Anyway, the day the neurologist said we're going to have to operate, and he showed me the night before, and he said, here's the mass. We just don't know what we're going to find yet, but we're going to operate in the next, next morning. Next morning comes in, there's a friend of mine sitting there with me. A friend, he comes in, and he says, um, I'm not going to operate. And I said, well, why not? And he said, we can't find anything. You can't find anything. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Of course, you know, we've had people praying for me uh, for so long, praying and praying for, for, for all kinds of things for me in my life, and even came and anointed me with oil and prayed for me. What a church family we, we had praying, and it was just so great. And many others were praying. Some of you who knew me back then were praying, I'm sure. And that was back in 92, to think that's 22 years ago. And here I'm still standing. But anyhow, anyway, they came in and said they can't find anything. So my, uh, I r immediately relayed that message back to my wife, Jan, and said, let the church know. So she calls the prayer chain. And the prayer chain passed the word on. They did a scan of pastor's brain and found nothing there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Probably more, more true than it. Well, nothing there. But anyhow, <laughs> later on, it was just a, just a scar tissue and, and uh, so on. That, you know, that for years had that and, and nothing more. But anyhow, then I was ready to go for heart surgery uh, down in Milwaukee. And they had to have, do the open heart surgery and, you know, crack me open and that whole thing. That all went very well, thanks to prayer and God's people praying. And that went really good. But it was another six months, six months before I got back in the pulpit. Had wonderful help and supply, and the Lord wonderfully undertook in those years. But that's when that verse really, I was so weak. I remember first standing up, I could hardly stand up after all those weeks in bed. They don't do that now so much anymore. But then they left you in bed many times for a long time before you could get up. But uh, boy, that Isaiah 40, verse 31 was great. Well, anyway, that leads us to the last section. Uh, new direction in life. Psalm 71, verse 18. Now when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have shown thy strength unto this generation and that thy power to everyone that is to come. That's where we are right now. Uh, as we near the fourscore <laughs> years of our lives, both soon be 80, and the Lord has still allowed us to be here. Uh, about a year ago, uh, we uh, began to have some new health issues, and um, we were facing these, and prompted us by the Holy Spirit then to, uh, to sell our house in Hurley, Wisconsin, a uh, country home there that we had, and uh, to... Uh, uh, and then to move into an apartment here in Wausau area. Our children, two of our children are nearby. And so that was one reason. And then many trips <laughs> that I had made down to the hospital from, from Ironwood, Michigan, uh, by ambulance down to Spiros Hospital. Now it would be much closer, <laughs> much closer if I have to go in the ambulance. So this is nice. So anyhow, we're so glad to be here. We love our apartment. We love the church family here. We're so glad. We know this is of God. That you, a year ago, you could have told me, a little over a year ago, I would never move into an apartment. An apartment? And get rid of all my stuff and move into No, no, not for me. But you know, when it's the Lord's timing, he does things and he gives us a joy 
in doing those things. And he's certainly done that for us. One step at a time. And he'll do that for you. Wait upon him. I think of you young people. Many of you are young. And I think one of the hardest times in your lives are, are at that age when you're just getting out of high school and college because you're thinking of a career, military, college, uh, a mate, a future mate for your life. All of this comes on you at one time. It's a great time, but it's also not an easy time. And we need to pray for our youth, pray for our young people, that God will lead them step by step in the right direction and all of us together. And just this word of closing, if you are not a Christian, if you never invited the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, please do it today. You will not regret it. You see these stars up there, those who have made that decision. Some of you maybe have been in this church. I don't know you that well, so I can say this. You've been in this church maybe a long time, and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life. Please do it. See one of us, one of the leaders, myself, someone here. We'd love to, we'd just love to pray with you and to, uh, and to have you take that important step in your life. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Father, we just thank you so much for the way you lead us step by step in the way you want us to go if we're open and sensitive to your leading. Lord, you've guided me, you've guided my wife Jan in such a wonderful way through our years of life, and we want to finish well. We want to finish, as Paul said, uh, I've finished the course. I've run the race. I've fought the fight, and I'm ready to go. Lord, we want to finish well. May that be true for each one of us as we yield ourselves and give ourselves in total submission to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Casey, you have something yet to... Close with, okay.